Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. And uh, first week we asked the question, who is future you? Who do I want to be in a few years from now? And, and you know, where am I heading? And because if, am I getting there? Because if not, if it's not where I'm heading, if, sorry, because if, if not, if where I'm heading is not where I want to be, then now's the time to make the change. Second week of the series, we asked, why is it so difficult to change? And so we found the answer is really inertia. Inertia is either our best friend or our worst enemy. Then last week, we asked the question, how are we going to change? And we saw the answer is little by little, right? One step at a time. And what God wants us to do is not always going to have visible progress right away. We're going to be taking steps of obedience sometimes long before we see the effects of it in our lives. Now today, I want to issue a little bit of a wake-up call. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. If not, it'll be up on the screen. So in 1 Kings chapter 20, we see this scene of a soldier standing before a king. And this, this soldier is dusty. He's clearly war-torn. The battle has just finished. He's got this bandage on his head. His eyes, you know, puffy and bloody. Looks like he's just barely hanging on. And he stands before this king, and he speaks to give an account of what he did during the battle. And in in 1 Kings 20, verse 39, it says this. It says, your servant went out into the midst of the battle, and there a man came over and brought a man to me and said, guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. While your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. Then the king of Israel said to him, so shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. So we have a picture of a guy who was told, in this battle you have a job. The job is to take this prisoner and to watch him, guard him, keep him. The point is, don't let him get away. In fact, the man was told, if he gets away, your life's going to be required for his life, or you'll have to pay a talent of silver, which I think I'd pick that option if it was me. But you, you, you have to understand, a talent of silver is a ton of money. A talent is 77 pounds. We think of a talent as like a coin. A talent is 77 pounds. So a soldier in this war would have had no way of paying that sum of money. So basically, if he lets this guy get away, he's going to have to die. And he lets the man get away. And he gives this accounting, and he says, I watched him at first, was checking in on him, but eventually the man, I let him out of my sight, he got away. And he's bringing to to this king almost like, what do you think should happen to me? I let him get away. But king, come on, I I had good intentions, and I tried really hard, and I watched him most of the time. I mean, there was like a five-minute window, but, you know, nobody's perfect. He's saying this to the king, almost hoping for mercy. And what the king said is, listen, you told me yourself that you were warned. If you let him get away, your own life would be required. So shall your judgment be. Once the king had said these words, this is an interesting story, the man then pulled off his bandages to to show that he actually wasn't a soldier at all. In fact, the man was a prophet, a man of God, sent by God to confront the king, King Ahab, with this made-up story. Okay, you understand what's going on? It was all made up by this prophet. 
Please read the whole story later this week because you'll find out how the prophet got wounded. He really did have a bloody eye. He really was beat up. I need you to read the, about how this man was wounded that tricked this king. It involves a lion, so it's kind of cool. So I'm going to say, the Bible's incredible, but the reason this prophet had told this story is because it was to be a mirror held up to make the king realize, oh, I'm the man. I'm the man who had the job that he was given. I'm the man who was told you have this job, this thing to do. And if you don't do it, your life will be forfeit for your disobedience to God. Okay, you understand what's happening? Now, the particulars of why King Ahab needed this message really had historical context and significance and what happened in that, you know, and what happened in that day. But what exactly this parable meant to him isn't the most important issue to us today because Ahab's dead and buried. In fact, dogs licked up his blood. That's also in the Bible. The bigger issue for us is this question. What does it have to do with me? Because I believe the story as it was told is meant to hit us hard. For us to see that we, too, have been given an assignment. So what I want us to do, so I want us to do what the prophet of God wanted Ahab to do. I want us to insert ourselves in the story. I think it can be very easy to read the Bible and just think, well, that's, you know, that's good for Daniel. That's, That's great for Esther. That's amazing for Paul. What an inspiring story. But I think this isn't just about them. It's about us. It's about you. So what are you going to do with what you've been given? And I want us to see ourselves in the story about a man who was given a charge to watch over someone. And the king at some point is going to stand before us, and we're going to have to explain to him what we did with one job we were given. Okay, maybe you're saying, okay, that's a cool story, man, but who are we supposed to watch? And the answer is, you are meant to watch the most difficult person to babysit on the planet. I'm not talking about your husband. I'm not talking about your wife. I'm not talking about your kids. I'm talking about you. The person on this planet most suited to deceit is you. The person on this planet most capable of harming yourself is you. You and I are, in fact, able, like no one else, to be our own worst enemy. In the Bible, from beginning to end, warns us about how important it is that we watch ourselves, that we keep ourselves. We are the soldier who is meant to guard the other soldier. Only the other soldier we're meant to guard is us. And that's clearly evident evident from the fact that if we don't do the job we're meant to do in keeping ourselves, our lives will be forfeit. Why? Because our life will be snatched from us while we aren't paying attention. And that's precisely when it happens. That's why the soldier says, notice what he says in verse 40. When did the guy get away? The guard, guard this man, he was told, keep this man, keep this person. Guard this person, don't let him get away. And when he finally said they got away, the king must have been like, well, when? When did they get away? How'd they get away? What happened? And he says, that's the most embarrassing part. He says, where's the, where is it? Put the next one up there, Kena. Yeah, while your servant was busy, here and there, he was gone. Is it possible that while you're going here and there, your life's passing you by? Is the future you that Jesus sees you are capable of becoming slipping away? The who you're meant to be, what you're meant to be like as you grow up in Christ. You're meant to guard yourself and watch yourself. Supervise yourself, lead yourself, that you might not escape, that you might not slip through your fingers. 
so you don't end up stuck, immature, end up stuck selfish, end up stuck with a small mentality, living in self-pity and discontent, smothered by anger and numbing yourself spiritually when you're meant to rise up and live in power. So this is your wake-up call. You are called by by God to guard yourself, to keep this man, to keep this woman, and to look after yourself, lest you get away. Didn't Jesus himself say that it's easy to chase after the things of this world and lose your soul? Right Now, my my whole life, I kind of thought like, oh man, that's intense. Lose your soul? Gosh, I don't want to hang on to my soul. I don't want to lose my soul. But the words that he uses in the sentence, they really speak about, they don't really speak about losing your soul entirely. Really, a better translation really is lose yourself. Lose your true self. To let yourself get away. I think what Jesus is warning in Matthew 16 is the same thing in 1 Kings chapter 20, that we're meant to not be distracted and busy here and there and chasing after this and defined by that. And all of a sudden, we got the things that we thought we wanted but we ended up losing the version of ourselves that we were meant to become. And on and on and on, warnings come throughout the Bible about how easy it is to trick yourself, how easy it is to deceive yourself, how easy it is to let yourself get away. Proverbs 4, verse 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. There's no area quite like the heart that's able to control the outcome of our lives. Jude, in his little book, verse 21, guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. Expect and patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jeremiah warns the same thing when he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So our hearts are able to steer us. Our hearts are able to trick us. We have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our spirits. We have to guard our devotion. We have to choose to do the hard things, to watch after ourselves, to be checking in with ourselves and others, right? To be asking the question, hey, time's passing. How am I doing? Am I getting better? Am I staying the same? Am I coasting? Am I fighting? Am I advancing? Am I becoming a kinder husband? Am I becoming a better father, a more patient spouse, more patient boss? Your heart's tricky. Your heart will talk you into doing things you shouldn't do, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, these things will all deceive us. We have to guard ourselves. You have to keep yourselves. You can't be cruising through life doing what you feel and going along with what's easy. Why? Because broad is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. And few are they who find it. Why? Because it's so easy to let ourselves get carried away to let your heart pull you in the ways you shouldn't go, to fall for the lies that the devil tells. You have to be actively involved, vigilantly involved. He said, guard this man. That's active, right? Jesus said in Mark 14, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So if you know you're weak, if you know your flesh is weak, you have to make it easy on yourself to do the right thing. With guardrails, you make it easy on yourself to do the right thing with accountability. You make it easy on yourself to do the right thing with systems. You have to be intentional about spiritual formation, like being in a small group 
of Christians who are praying for you weekly, holding you accountable, praying for each other. We know that our flesh is weak. So what do we do? We watch and pray. So that future you, that man, that woman, that you're meant to grow up into won't slip through your fingers. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21 says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. The human heart, it's been said, is an idol factory. It can value anything above God and churn out a new idol every day. So you have to guard yourself. Meaning, it will be easy and automatic for your heart to gravitate to other things more as more valuable than him. That's why the Bible says you have to seek first the kingdom of God. Like every single time I get, a, I get paid and I give my tithe to God, what am I doing? I'm trying to keep myself from idols, honestly. Because it's easy and automatic for my heart to gravitate to other things. But I, so, but I have to keep myself. I have to keep this man. So maybe this is a little, little bit of a wake-up call. Your life's passing you by. You need to fight to guard over the version of yourself that you're meant to be, the future you, you're supposed to be. Otherwise, your life will pass you by, and you, you may wake up one day with regret. And ultimately, you will stand before God to give an account of what you did with your life. And I don't want you to have to go, I don't even know. I was busy here and there. There was a point where I heard his voice. There was a point when I sensed his spirit, but I, I, you know, I, I knew as I read his word there was something to it, but yeah, I let, I let me get away. I didn't guard myself. So two things to be on guard against as you, as you keep this man, as you keep this woman. First is giving in. Giving in. It's so easy to give in in our world that we live in to, to our culture's distractions, right? We carry around us, with us, the, the biggest distraction, the phone. It's the biggest distraction ever invented at all times. We have it in our pocket. It, a device that can simultaneously feed and nourish your spirit or distract you. When it, we live in a day that it's possible to be glued to these things so much that it messes up the wiring in our brains and our soul so that we're perpetually dissatisfied. Never able to be present where we are because we're looking at where we wish we were, what we wish we were doing, the life we wish we had. It's easy to give in to distraction. Secondly, don't give in to lies. Lies like, I'll always be this way. Lies like, I've tried to change before and it didn't work. So why would it work this time? We give in to lies like, it's okay that I'm this way because I know other people who are worse than me. Listen, there will always be someone in your life more jacked up than you. And we kind of almost sometimes like to keep some messed up people in our lives just so we can feel good about ourselves a little bit, quite frankly. Don't we? This, by the way, is why any time that we take steps to better ourselves, there will be people in our lives who kind of push back, like, oh, you've changed. Yeah, first of all, yeah, I hope so. I don't want to stay the same as I was when I was 20. I don't want to be the same person I was when I was 40. I want to change. I want to grow. I want to improve myself. But if you try to start something and someone in your life pushes back, tries to hold you back, guess what? They're only angry because they're now realizing that if you change, they're going to have to take a real good look at their life and maybe change something too. So they don't want to change. They don't want you to change because you make them feel good about themselves. 
And so what we need to all do is realize we don't want to give in to other people's plans for our lives. We are called to guard this man, not them. You're going to stand before God for your life. They'll get their turn. Jesus modeled this for us in John chapter 6. When after feeding the 5,000, everybody's super pumped. Everybody wants an autograph. Everybody wants a selfie. Everybody wants something. It says, verse 15, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. He wouldn't let them take him by force to make him king. He went to be alone with the Father, who was able to remind him, you already are a king. You see, many people, if you give in to their plans for your life, they'll try to give you an imitation substitute version of it. So Jesus didn't need to go with these people who were trying to make him a king because he was already a king. By remembering who God said he was, he was able to combat the pressure to give in to what other people wanted him to be. And I want to let you know something. You will not be future you you're supposed to be if you live for the approval of other people. Living to please other people will keep you from pleasing God. So don't give in. You are already a son or a daughter of the king. The second temptation will be to give up. Giving up's a real, a very real temptation. For some of us, we've made the mistake of giving up control, and we need to take back our lives from the things that we have willingly submitted our lives to. We need to guard ourselves to not be controlled by a, a substance, be controlled by our emotions, to be, just do what we feel, to let our anger control us, to be controlled by habits and patterns of thinking that are bad. We need to keep ourselves and guard ourselves with all diligence from making the mistake of giving up control. And also the temptation to just give up because it's hard. Come on, is this season hard for anybody else? Nope. Cool. Good job, guys. 2020 was somewhat of a trash fire, right? 2021 isn't looking so good yet. It is hard to keep going. But listen, all seasons have difficulties to them. Ah, remember back in 2019 when everything was perfect? Really? Back in 2019 when we all just, all of us just complained all the time about something different, right? So if it's not this, it's going to be something else. The reality is life is hard. The reality is that following Jesus is difficult. But here's the good news. Our God's so good that he, he says things like this, Psalm 81, verse 16. He says, but I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. I love that verse. I've been meditating on that verse. Our God's so good that he's able to bring honey out of rocks. I love that because you don't get honey from rocks, right? That's exactly why it's so powerful. Tim Keller says, God uses our troubles to show us where true joys are to be found. He gives us unlikely food from impossible places. What he wants to sustain you with might just come in a strange wrapper called COVID-19 or called the loss of a job or called a challenging circumstance. But it's in that rock that you've been handed that God wants to squeeze honey out into your life. So don't give in, don't give up. Romans 13 puts it this way. I'm going to close with this. It says, This is all the more urgent, for you know 
how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, close yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourselves think about ways to indulge your evil desires. So you have one life. And as the poem says, it will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. So guard and keep yourself. Amen. Bruce, you want to come forward? Amen. You know, there's really not a whole lot worth living for or giving your life for if it's not going to last for eternity. There's one thing that does, and that's living for Jesus. And in First, Second Corinthians chapter 11, Paul has this statement. He says, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his trickery, your minds will be led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You know, it's really easy to get distracted, and the enemy has some pretty slick ways of doing that. Uh, they look really flashy and attractive, and, and you know, they bring instant pleasure. Um, they fall short in the long run, but, you know, out of, the, out of the gate, you know, it seems like the way to go. But it's all... You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You know, it doesn't end up well. So, anyway, I'd like the, the uh, ministry team to come forward today. Um, I really feel like, um, you know, God is the God of promise. He's the God of hope. He, he, he is good. You know, his MO is always for increase. Uh, the kingdom is always expansive. It's ever-growing. I feel like uh, the best is yet to come, and God has good things in store. And I feel like there's been a call here today on many levels just to press into him. And if you've never given your life to him or don't know what that's all about, I encourage you to, to do that here today, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, come on up front and receive prayer and ministry I encourage you if this, you know, you're, you've been walking with the Lord forever, uh, I feel like he's calling you to a deeper level and to um, just to, you know, give your yes to him in a new and a fresh way. And so, Jesus, we do want you to have all of us, Lord. Lord, we know that the future us is better than the present us, Lord, if we follow you, Lord. And so, Lord, we, we do just want to give you our yes, Lord. We ask that you would set us free from those distractions and those idols and those things that would hinder us and trip us up, Lord God. Lord, that we would not succumb to the, the enemy's 
deceitful scheming, Lord, but that we would just enter into that simple and pure devotion to Jesus. Lord, we thank you that that is where life is, Lord, and that is where we, we come into the fullness of who you created us to be. And so, Lord, we say yes to you, Lord, and thank you that you the plans you have for us are for good and for, for our, uh, a great future, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we encourage you to come up for prayer or to have a great day. All right, thanks.